My name is Scott Chaloner and you are listening to the Leaders' Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. As regular listeners of our programme will know very well, part of our mission here at the Leaders' Council is to bring you a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. And to this end, I'm joined on today's programme by Jamie Gray, the founder of the Acoustics Agency, a company which offers a range of acoustic services from consultancy and testing to design support through to supply and installation of aesthetic and functional acoustic products and Jamie's going to be coming on to talk to us about his journey into the business world today. Um, Jamie, a very warm welcome to you this morning and thanks for joining us on the show. Pleasure having you with us. Thank you, Scott. Much appreciated. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, real pleasure, Jamie. And um, obviously I've only given kind of a brief overview of what it is that uh, you and your business does there, but obviously in your own words, um, what is it that the Acoustics Agency provides in terms of a service? I think you've probably done a better job at explaining <laughs> it than I would, to be totally honest. Um, so, yeah, we're a supplier, installer, and manufacturer of um, sustainable acoustic products for the built environment, essentially. So, uh, main business is more so offices, um, but we, we do work in the retail sector um, and, uh, yeah, and sometimes the hospitality sector as well. But, um, yeah, so we, we either manufacture products here in the UK or we've got partnerships with um, multiple different suppliers around the world, such as Germany, um, USA, and Switzerland. So yeah, a bit, bit, bit of a hybrid company, really. Mm. But the main ethos, I should say, is is to provide sustainable acoustic products. Um, so products that have come from a sustainable uh, background, such as recycled plastic or 100% uh, merino wool, handmade products. Um, yeah, so in a nutshell, that's that's really what we do. Yeah, and that sustainable ethos is really important, isn't it? I'm sure we'll we'll get onto that um, a little bit later on in the uh, the program. But just kind of talking about kind of the uh, the sort of story behind the business. Um, what was it that kind of sort of made you think that going and starting a business for yourself was going to be the way for you? Because you sort of started your career in the sporting world as a professional footballer, didn't you? I did. Yeah, I did start as a professional footballer. If you can, if you can call me that, yes. Yeah, so um, that's all I ever wanted to do, to be honest, Scott, be a mm. professional footballer. Um, and I knew nothing else but playing football. But as growing up, my, my, my granddad and my dad both had their own businesses mm. um, in upholstery, actually, which um, they also done some um, acoustic walls as well. And, you know, every time I was not playing football, or I wasn't at school. I was trying to earn some extra money working for them. Um, and I was lucky enough to, when I left school, go and play professional football for three years. Um, which I loved, and um, when that ended, I knew nothing else but to only want to start my own business. I didn't, just because of the way I've been brought up, my dad and my granddad, and sort of the, the, the figures in my life, didn't ever really believe that working the nine-to-five job was the right thing to do. Whether that's right or wrong, sometimes I do think it's wrong, sometimes I do think it's right, depending on, on the day I'm having. But, you know, for me personally, I've... I've only ever really wanted to run my own business. And I started my first business at 21 years old. Um, and yeah, here we are today, 37 and still running my own business. So, yeah. Mm. 
That's the story. Yeah, and it's interesting, isn't it, that um, a lot of people that do play professional football for any period of time do often go into business for themselves because it is true, isn't it, that you are a long time retired from that profession in particular. And obviously when you come out of the uh, the game, I mean, it can be difficult to kind of sort of make the transition, can't it? And so sort of having a business interest, something else to focus on quite quickly, it tends to be the way, yeah. doesn't it? I mean, and it's critical as well for, for the well-being side, isn't it, to sort of you know, keep the mind occupied, keep the brain working and have something different to focus on. Yeah, I mean, what I would say about uh, professional sports is it, it it taught me a lot of things about life and, and you know, fending for yourself. And it, it um, especially professional uh, football, it, it does sort of um, build character in a sense. Um, but when you, when you do have your contract cancelled, as I did, mm. I found myself the next day thinking, "Wow, what am I going to do now? I've, I've got no, I've got no qualifications. I was, I'm highly dyslexic anyway, so mm. school was a struggle for me. Um, I, I didn't really know what I was going to do, um, but there was some core skills I'd learnt from being in the professional sports world, like you know, the never giving up and mm. uh, things like that. But it, it was, it was really tough. Um, yeah, like you say, mentally, but." Um, you know, I was always a captain. Wherever I seemed to play, I was the captain of the of the team because I did did like to to lead, and I was I was pretty vocal in that sense. So I yeah, I always sort of knew that I was going to start my own business, and um, and then I, I kind of went straight from football to work for my my granddad, who was quite old at the time. He was in his mid seventies, so he was close to retirement. And when he retired, I I, I kind of took it on. Mm. Um, my dad became unwell, and, and I took the business on at 21. Um, and then, yeah, as I say, the rest the rest is history. But football did teach me a lot. But I can see um, in the sporting world why there's you know there's a, there's not enough support. I don't think. Um, and I've only really realised this looking looking back now. I'm older. That when you do get you know you're a young man and you you get cut from something you've only ever known mm. um, and you've got that decision do I go on and play keep trying to play do I do I go and try and find a job but when you know football and soccer is all you've ever known it's, it's pretty it's pretty tough really tough Yes, certainly so. And I can imagine as well that it's kind of a sort of stark reminder, isn't it, of just how important well-being is from the leadership point of view, isn't it? Sort of, um, And I imagine that your experience from the game has sort of really fed into kind of the way you run your own business as well. So are you very much mindful of the fact that, you know, I mean, of the need to kind of look after your staff and make sure that the well-being side of things is in check? Oh, yes. Yeah. I mean, well-being is, is, is absolutely key. Um, going back to, to football, there is a there is a bit of a manly uh, spirit, if it's right to say that nowadays, mm. that where, you know, everyone, you know, you sort of, it's, it's a bit of a, you know, man up, get on with it. You know, don't worry about, you can't really show the emotion. If you show emotion, it's a weakness. Um, and it sort of does, it does, um, early part of my career did sort of, you know, translate into business. Um, but now I do believe we've, you know, we've come, we've come a long way since, since I played uh, football and, you know, in business, people are trying to look at the well-being of staff. And, um, you know, I the way I've always treated my staff personally is um, I don't put the nine to five tag on what mm. they do. I don't put, you have to work here at this time and this place. And, 
it's you know we've all we're all adults we all know how to do our job if you didn't know how to do your job you wouldn't be employed simple as that mm. and and it's just it's just trust and i think if you show people trust they work better and in turn they have better um you know well-being because you know for instance if someone wants to take a couple of hours you know to doctors or to a school show you know they just do it they just do it and they and then they make the time up um and it works well all round. I think you get better productivity within the workplace yeah. and you like you say mainly get better well-being but it's a, it's, a, it's a tough one to manage I'm not going to lie it really is tough yeah, it's a delicate balancing act, isn't it? And I think you're right on the productivity side as well. The trust's good for the well-being side of things, but obviously when you know you're working with somebody who knows that you know you're not on their back and you're not sort of looking over their shoulder constantly, and you trust them, it does t- tend to bring the best out in them, doesn't it? They can kind of get their head down, focus on what they're doing, and they can sort of produce their their best work, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's really hard to remember sometimes that you know we're all in business, and the business has to make money. Mm. Um, so that you know, it's hard to say that's the first and foremost thing because it's not the well-being of people is obviously really important as well. But there is a there is a balance to be found, and and you know, hopefully, I've found it. Um, definitely not perfect. No one is, and we're always learning. We can always do things better. But mm. yeah, like you say, if we can trust staff, uh, hopefully, staff members will you know trust us back. And, and you know get a good working relationship and, and people are happy um yeah yeah and like I say you mentioned there as well that uh, nobody's perfect and I think that's an important message that we have to take away from this as well it's um it's the fact that we're not infallible even in leadership positions I mean we are going to sort of get one or two things wrong sometimes the balance might not be right and I think it's about sort of approaching that with the correct mentality isn't it the the, the kind of win or learn mentality I like to call it and it's that you don't view any kind of setback as a terminal thing and you use it to sort of improve and sort of constantly develop every single day. And I think sometimes um, we can be a little bit averse to sort of risk and sort of uh, sort of failings, can't we, in this country a little bit? Yeah, and I mean, look, yeah. God, I've, I've failed multiple times in my life and I'm, you know, and I get things wrong on a daily basis. Um But I think I've worked for bosses before that when they do get things wrong, they try to cover it up with mm. you know, whatever they can any excuse under the sun blame a member of staff or you know, blame the weather whatever whatever suits the the the, uh, the rhetoric if you like but you know putting your hands up and saying you yeah, know i've got that wrong or, or or listening again bringing staff in if staff should feel like they've got the the ability to challenge anyone yeah. it doesn't matter if they're a, if they're a manager if they're the owner of the business you know, anyone can challenge me personally at any time and I'll, I'll listen and, you know, nine times out of ten, if I'm being challenged, I am wrong. And 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 I believe good leadership is to be able to take that on board and say, do you know what, you're right and we'll change this and we'll do that. And it, it, again, it, it, it works. Um, mm. So, you know, as a, as a leader, I think the one thing I've learned over the years is that you don't know everything just because you're in charge. Mm. You employ people that know their jobs better than you do and and listening to them is the key to a successful business exactly right it's them asking you the difficult questions at the top as well as it is sort of the other way around isn't it you asking them the difficult questions it's hugely important yeah. to success and uh 
I think now is a good time to kind of touch on uh, that other matter that we just sort of uh, very, very briefly mentioned earlier, which was the sustainable side of your business, because I think coming into the future, this is also going to be important for success as well, isn't it? What businesses sort of stand for, what their purpose is, because... um, since um, we've seen kind of more about climate change leaking into the headlines and especially since the pandemic, I think we've become much more acutely aware, haven't we, of the impact that we have on the planet. And so people's consumer choices are starting to shift towards sort of, you know, greener businesses, what um, what businesses have got that kind of thing in their mindset. And the fact that you're looking to sort of source sustainable materials and use that in your work, I suppose from your perspective, it's not just having a positive impact, but eventually sort of when it comes to trying to uh, get business, I mean, that's going to be critical, isn't it? Because people's mindsets are changing. They're going towards the greener businesses. Yeah, I mean, for us, it's just been about education. We've we've been sourcing sustainable products for, you know, five, six, seven years now. Mm. And um, it is becoming more and more relevant in in the um in the workplace and in the in the construction in industry specifically um our business is carbon neutral which is a which is a good start mm. um but in terms of products there's this always age-old problem and um, with recycled products and with products that are sustainable they tend to cost a lot more money because mm. they go through processes in order to to become the product um so recycling plastic and, and you know and then turning it into fibers and then eventually the acoustic products we sell is, is two or three more processes than you'd have to do if you made it from say virgin material. Mm. So when you get down to building a product or build, building a project, it's it's trying to it's trying to educate the client that saving some money isn't always the right thing to do. Mm. Now you try and tell a, a large corporate company that you know they're mm. paying thousands of pounds more because the product is, is sustainable and good for the environment. There are companies that we, we've worked for that under no circumstances, they'll have anything but sustainable products. You know, the likes of Facebooks and Googles we've worked with, they, they have to have sustainable products because it's part of their company ethos as well. Mm. Um, but yeah, it, I'll, I'll say that the tide is turning um, that we can all do a lot more. Um, our business can still do a lot more, but um, what we're slowly we're slowly getting there. Slowly getting yeah. There. Yeah, like I say, every business is on that transition, isn't it? It's on that journey, and yeah. I think everyone's going to have to kind of play their part, certainly in the context of the wider kind of net zero agenda as well, uh, because that's something that obviously we're very aware of in the uh, the pipeline, the need to kind of get to that point by 2050. I mean, the UK government have bound um, that goal into uh, into law now. They have to try and hit that as much as they possibly can, and everyone's going to have yeah. to play their part to make that possible. Yeah, I mean, I've, I, I, I try to work out what, what if what we're doing is right. I mean, mm. I've changed all the cars to electric cars, for instance, but then I read in the paper that you spend more fuel or there's more fuel that goes into into a mile from an electric car than if it was a petrol car. Mm. So, you know, there is a lot of uh, smoke and mirrors out yeah. there. Um, and I won't name names, but there's also a lot of companies that are, are using smoke and mirrors uh, as well. So... You know, we have to do it because we want to do it because there is a, there is ways of doing it where um, it's not particularly a sustainable way of of working, but it looks like it's a sustainable way of working if if you if you kind of catch my drift there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, it's as simple as if everyone does their part. Um, 
then you know it's going to make it better in 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 the, in the long run. But yeah, the, is it twenty thirty or did you say twenty fifty actually? Yeah, I think uh, the uh, the goal is twenty fifty. Although there is a set of businesses that are trying to do it by twenty forty as well. I think there's a climate charter going around where there's a, there's a few businesses that are committing to trying to do it ten years earlier. Um, I think by 2030, what they want to do is they don't want any more sort of petrol and diesel cars being sort of put into circulation, do they? So that is that is a, um, a date which is also sort of a milestone with the with the ultimate goal in mind. I think. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I don't see it as as an impossible task, if I'm honest. Um, mm. We weren't carbon neutral only a year ago, and it, it took us, you know, maybe six months. And we are a smaller business, but it took mm. us six months to become carbon neutral. Um, so it's, it's, it's possible for sure. It is. And like I say, it's businesses such as yourselves, which really set that example and show that on, on a smaller scale, it is possible. Then why not transition that to the bigger scale? And I guess obviously what people are going to be really looking at as well from uh, the, uh, the newly appointed government is uh, so essentially what we're going to do with our energy as well moving forward, because we've got a new energy strategy. And I know there's probably going to be sort of some more damaging stuff in the short term. There's a lot of talk of fracking. There's more sort of North Sea licenses going out. But um, the longer term plan, sort of the move to renewables. I mean, that's got to be something that's going to be at the forefront of it. And, you know, we need to be thinking about these things sort of on a national scale, don't we? Yeah, I mean, I I actually um, followed John Caldwell, who we've done some work for, who, who's been um, pushing for this for quite a while. During mm. Actually, during the pandemic, before the Russian invasion of Ukraine, he was... He was um, it was really pushing for for the UK to have its own renewable energy source, and, mm. and he was saying about building a building a city or, or, or somewhere in the Midlands that that sort of brings all makes all of its energy, uh, all the UK's energy, so we don't have to we don't have to rely on countries like Russia and and and, and others to, to get our energy. It's all it's all made by ourselves, and, and we use our own energy. But you know. Will that ever happen? We we don't know. I mean, we're making positive steps. We've got yeah. wind farms obviously off the coast and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But yeah, we'll see. We do seem to like to want to buy everything in in this country instead of do it ourselves. And again, mm. that's that's the whole cost versus sustainable thing. It's cheaper to cheaper to outsource than to manufacture yourself. Yeah, and it's also the lead times, isn't it? I mean, the, the bureaucracy, for instance, that you have to go through to get an onshore wind farm approved is absolutely incredible. And so that's also something that the ministers probably need to uh, to look at. So a lot yeah. in terms of yeah. sort of the wider sustainability agenda to kind of keep an eye on in future. And I think we'll certainly be uh, seeing exactly what comes out of the government over the next few months and years. And um, as we think about the future as well, just before we, uh, we wrap up on the show today, uh, Jamie, for your business, if we look ahead to say... 12 to sort of 14 months, maybe sort of the end of 2023. Um, what sort of milestones yeah. are sort of you hoping to uh, to hit and what are you hoping to achieve in this uh, in this next year coming up? Are we talking about sustainability or financially? Yeah, or in, ter- in terms of both, yeah, in terms of both, sure. Yeah, okay. Um, so on a, on a financial um, sense, we've just... We've just literally signed a contract with a with an American company to, to bring their products um, outside of the US and... So that's really exciting. They've they've got some really nice products. Um, so for us, it's growth within the um, the European market, and you know company growth and, and and ideally trying to you know more than double our turnover if we can. It's um it's a bit of a push, but we'll do it. 
um, from a sustainability side, it's to just to continue to, um, to to do the right thing. Really, that's all you can do. You can't yeah. you can't completely um, be a hundred percent sustainable, um, but you can you can just you know we can just continue to do our best. But for the business, you know, I, I think economically we've we've still got six to nine months, maybe even a year of of um of tough times. It's pretty tough out there, the market. So um, number one is just to survive. Just just to survive. That's that's what it seems mm. to be. The last two three years of of, of business is is just keeping the business going, um, and that that to me, over especially in the last couple of years, has seemed like a win. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that that's the plan. Yeah, it has been the most incredible two years for business, hasn't it? And I think it's testament to the entrepreneurial spirit of the UK that there are so many businesses out there that despite all of this are still going strong. And it's credit to the likes of yourselves as well to still be going. And yeah, I do wish you all the luck in the world in sort of really kind of exercising those uh, those goals to the best of your ability, Jamie. And um, as well as that, um, I think it'd be great to um, actually catch up in future and just sort of see how, uh, how things are going along for you. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, it'd be brilliant. Well, and, and another, goal, another goal would be for Southend to get promoted. Um, we obviously sponsor, so yeah, um, yeah. I'll, I'll add that one in. Yeah, it'd be fantastic. Like I say, a very historic football league club. It was a shame to obviously see them go just a couple of seasons back. So yeah, best of luck to uh, to Southend. Obviously returning to the uh, the football league and their mission to do that and. Uh, uh, as well for anybody tuning into the uh, the program, I mean, if anybody um, is interested in finding out a little bit more about uh, Jamie's business, um, Acoustics Agency is that the best website for you, Jamie? It is, yeah, yep. that's the one. Fantastic. So do have a look at that if you are interested in finding out more about the business and what it does. Um, for now, it's been an absolute pleasure to welcome company founder Jamie Gray onto today's podcast. Really enlightening um, experience for myself as well. And uh, do take care, Jamie, and do stay safe with all still going on in the meantime. Appreciate it, Scott. Thanks for having me on. Yep, and to anybody as well who maybe wants to uh, leave a comment about some of the sustainability issues or anything that we've discussed today, um, please do feel free to uh, do so via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash contact hyphen us. And um, you can also apply to be on the programme yourself if you're impassioned by these issues or you run your own business by leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply to come onto the programme and talk that through with us. Um, For now, you've been listening to the Leaders Council podcast with myself, your host, Scott Challoner, today. Please do take care all and goodbye.